Some people only want access to a laser cutter because they know what they can do with a laser cutter and they're going to come in and they're going to do it. But most people come in with an idea or with some need that they know they're trying to fill, but with not really enough information to do it. And so then we provide them with the resources and the knowledge base and the support inherently within the community for them to accomplish their goal or their idea. You're listening to Jordan Lehman, my special guest on this episode of the Subscription Entrepreneur Podcast. Jordan is the co-founder of a business called Idea Fab Labs. They're a makerspace that gives people access to high-tech tools and educational workshops, sort of like a gym for artists and creatives. Now, what's fascinating is that Jordan uses MemorMouse to manage an in-person facility. Instead of protecting pages and videos on a website, he's protecting access to laser cutters and 3D printers in a physical space. In our conversation, Jordan shares some thought-provoking ideas about memberships, the sharing economy, and the power of a creative community. This is one of our most unique episodes to date, and I can't wait for you to learn from Jordan. One quick note before we get started, Jordan has created a very custom application of MemorMouse, and he was able to do this because of his background in web development. Now, if you have a big idea you want to bring to life but don't have the same development experience, I recommend checking out a service called Codable. They can help you hire a pre-vetted WordPress developer for projects of any size. Whether you need a little help customizing your checkout flow or want to build the Netflix of your industry, say, they can help out. So you can get more information about Codable in the show notes for this episode at subscriptionentrepreneur.com slash 182. So without further ado, let's get to it. I'm your host, Eric Turnison, and this is the Subscription Entrepreneur Podcast. Welcome to the show, Jordan. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Jordan, you are the co-founder of Idea Fab Labs. And can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Sure. So Idea Fab Labs is a makerspace. We have two facilities, actually. uh, But we started out as a place where people come to access high-tech fabrication tools that they may not be able to afford. And how did you and your business partner come up with this idea? Uh, It was pretty natural. We really had access to a, a large space for a very affordable price, and it was very dilapidated. And we were um, had the opportunity to renovate it, and we sort of, while we were in the process of doing that, were tossing around business model ideas and, uh, you know, figuring out the direction we wanted to go with a space where we could do projects, do large scale art projects, um, and the makerspace model sort of came out of the conversations and out of some of the research that we did while we were fixing up the space. So that wasn't your original idea, is to have it be a space for a lot of people originally. It was was going to be a space for you guys to do your art projects? Pretty much. We didn't didn't say, we want to build a makerspace. We said, here's the space, what should we do with it? So when, where did the kind of critical transition happen in terms of deciding to open it up to more people? Uh, so I guess the most notable moment was when my business partner, his name is Aaron Banwell, um, he showed me a TED Talk by Mitch Altman. And Mitch Altman is a technologist and a hacker. And he walks out onto the TED stage and he drops like 50 brass keys out onto the stage and he says something like you know here here's a key to our space our hacker space 
you know, come and participate or I don't remember what he said, but it was something to that effect. And uh, I don't know, that hit me pretty well. And I said, all right, you know, let's, let's get everybody together and we'll, we'll create a space and people can come. And, you know, my uh, Aaron had a laser cutter already. And so we were sort of already leaning towards this technology driven artist space. Um, so that was sort of the turning, maybe the, the affirming moment. The way you describe it, it sounds like it may have come as a little bit of a surprise to you that that was something you were really interested in. Uh, well, it's a radical idea to give people fairly open access to the space. You know, it's people pay a fee to get access, but then we give them a key and then they can come and go as they will. So that's a radical concept. And I think, I think it made sense at the time to do something that was a little different in. Um, this was in Chico, California. So we have two, our two spaces are in Chico and in Santa Cruz, California. And there are spaces like ours all over the world, um, which is really fun to go and see how other spaces do their thing. But, you know, I had never been to one of those spaces before. And so it was sort of like, this is new. This is different. It's fascinating. Uh, and I'm already a very social person. And so, uh, it just made a lot of sense to kind of, Explore that. Awesome. And how is the business working out? Is the the business model that you guys planned from the beginning, what you're going with now, uh, what's changed um, in terms of your approach uh, once you actually got the doors open and people were coming in? So uh, I would say that in some ways the model has changed, but in a lot of ways we have changed and the people that come to the space change the space. So we are still frequently exploring revenue streams. Um, it's definitely an uncharted for, or, or uh, lightly charted terrain. There are spaces like ours. Um, there are notable spaces like ours that um, have had successful models. Um, but everyone's doing something a little bit differently. They're focused more towards art or they're focused more towards uh, providing programs, educational programs maybe only educational programs for kids. So there's a lot of, of fluctuation in what's actually happening in this, the different spaces like ours. Um, so we tend to explore those things and get, you know, get a feel for what's happening, do some research. And if it's working, then we pursue it. If it's not working, then maybe we'll pull back and put our energy towards something else to try and see if that's going to work. So it's a lot of exploration. Yeah, and, and I'm looking at your membership uh, site right now. Well, not the inside of your membership site, but your um, your plans page where you outline what people can get if they pay a monthly fee. Um, so can you just give a brief overview of this in terms of what your approach is and how you're, you're outlining your different plans for customers? Yes. So there's some slight differences between the two facilities, um, but they're basically the same. What you have is three tiers of membership, and we call them the makerspace, the fabrication lab, and the pro memberships. And so people at the lowest level, the makerspace level, they pay between $30 and $45 per month. That's 30 in Chico, 45 in Santa Cruz. And they get access to the space and the internet and just general access to hand tools and computers. And then they get access to specific zones that we have. The facilities are broken up into zones. 
So at the lowest level, you would get access to mostly things that are manual tools, um, not necessarily the more the more digital tools. So uh, that would be the electronic zone, the jewelry making zone, the textiles and costume making zone. Um, we have an audio zone in Santa Cruz that we're putting together, uh, a vinyl cutting and printing zone. So these are sort of like basic utility things that you could walk up and use a soldering iron or uh, something like that. The next level would be the fabrication level, which gives you access to uh, the laser cutters that we have on site, which are definitely our most popular tool at both facilities, hands down. Perfect. Well, that's great for you because that's your mid-tier price point. Right. And, you know, I think it would be a reasonable thing for us. Like uh, The business model, rather, could be trimmed down to be only laser cutting. And that would be a successful business model. So that's a that's something that we've explored and discovered is very viable. Well, I wonder how much that would influence the community and the vibrancy of the community, though. And and you know maybe if that changes, then that may have effects you can't predict. Uh, I mean, I think we could probably predict them, and they would be perceived as negative. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. if we if we had started that way, that would probably have been a good move, and then and then slowly expand instead of trying to. Accommodate all these different interests. It's an observation. Yeah, there's there's so many things that I'm I get excited about about this idea. Like one is that you know usually when I'm I talk to people who are running membership sites, it's we're we're dealing with all digital. Um, but you're actually your members are you're you have in person relationships with them, and the influence that that's going to have on your decisions and how you move the business forward. Um, can't I think be understated? It's much different when you have like a support email or something like that, and people are emailing in and giving feedback. But they're giving feedback as an individuals, and there's no not usually any cross pollination between people submitting ideas. Whereas in your case, it's a like actual real world community who's contributing ideas to you, and then you are in a position of making those decisions and whether to move forward or not. It's yeah, it's very different. Um, let me finish outlining the the levels, and then I'd love to get into some more about the differences between sure. physical and, and digital, and and how we kind of bridge the gap sometimes too. Um, so at the second level tier, you get access to the laser cutters, uh, also the three D printers that we have, as well as the wood shop. And there is kind of a if you only did laser cutting, you would still probably need the woodworking tools because you usually have to cut down wood in order to fit it into the laser cutters. So there is that component. Um, it does sort of start to get more and more comprehensive naturally, I discovered. So th- that's the second tier. And you get a certain amount of time that you can reserve these digital tools uh, because a lot of them are one person, one project at a time. They're in high demand. So then you get a certain amount of time, you can say, I get to use this tool per week. At the pro level, you get twice as much time, goes from four hours per week to eight hours per week that you can reserve these tools. And you also get access to, we have a large um, wood milling machine. It's called a ShopBot CNC router table. And so we have some of those, and we also are starting to acquire some metalworking equipment that's at the pro level. So water jet cutter, uh, we have a, a Tormach CNC mill for milling steel and aluminum. That's awesome. And I love this model and idea of the sharing of resources. We had a, um, a tool library in Portland, Oregon, 
where you know you could go rent tools. But I just I think for a lot of different reasons, these types of things where you know you're buying this equipment and hosting it in a space and people can use it and not everybody has to have their own laser cutter or their own video production tools. Um, I really love the this idea and I hope that models like this are adopted more by people in, in cities. Yeah, I think you're going to see it. I mean, it's happening a lot with you know the digital side of things like uh, like Uber and um, all these, you know, Airbnb, the sort of sharing economy uh, people are writing software to accommodate that, so um, people are grasping the idea of sort of decentralized, or or both decentralized and then sort of this shared centralized experience too. So it's it's naturally going that way, and it's interesting because a lot of the um, complaint isn't the right word, but I can't think of a better one uh, that people have in in running online membership sites in terms of the people up as part of the community of their customers is the lack of connection. So the fact that you, in this space also, the benefit you naturally get through how you're running it is you inherently are getting connection because people are physically there in the space interacting with each other. I would say that that is um, both the hardest to quantify and the most valuable asset or resource that we provide. Some people only want access to a laser cutter because they know what they can do with a laser cutter and they're going to come in and they're going to do it. But most people come in with an idea or with some need that they know they're trying to fill, but with not really enough information to do it. And so then we provide them with the resources and the knowledge base and the support inherently within the community for them to accomplish their goal or their idea. And so that's really, that meta layer is actually the thing that makes us really valuable. Yeah, for sure. And do those types of uh, services where people, you offered additional training or something like that, are those parts part of your your standard plans or those add-ons or something like that in terms of how you're doing your pricing? They come in different forms. So we offer safety and basic use to all members uh, free with membership. So if you come in and you want to use the laser cutter, for example, you must take an hour and 45 minute safety and basic use class where we say, you know, here's how this works. Don't do this. Always do that. Never do this. And you get your feet wet there. It's often not quite enough to really um, have success with something elaborate because I'm not going to show you how to use the software to design something. I'm just going to show you how to take your design and put it into the machine. So then the next level is, uh, you know, how do you get to that next level? How do you get your your cool thing finished. And so that's maybe through a class that we offer that we would charge for, uh, paid for with there's an instructor and we're going to show you how to use Adobe Illustrator to make a living hinge um, model of a chair. Or we're going to teach you Corel Draw for slotted puzzles with the laser cutter. So those are things that we offer, um, we try to offer. Um, it's something that has sort of fallen to the wayside in lieu of 
they're not just kind of having to focus on certain things instead of being so spread thin. So easy. There's there's so many things going on, and uh, it's difficult sometimes to do all of the things that we could or or people want us to do and do them well. So, um, but built into the model is a classes and workshops scenario that once we're all you know, once everything's really moving forward, then that's like a regular set of classes every week that people can participate in. I want to dive into that a little bit, but uh, before we do, you're a MemberMouse customer and you're using MemberMouse and you're using it in a way that I think is uh, unique because for one, you're, you're running a physical space. Can you, so can you talk a little bit about the ways that you're, how MemberMouse plays into your model? Yeah, so we, when we were starting, we said, okay, well, maybe I should give you a little bit of background about me first. Um, sure. I have been a web developer for most of my life now, half of my life. Mostly since I was using computers, I was working with HTML. So um, before we started the space, and like when we started the space, I was working full-time at the university in Chico, um, CSU Chico. And so um, I've spent a lot of time with WordPress and when we were looking to build the website for this new membership community that we were building, we did some research and Member Mouse seemed like the, well, we went with it. So that was the tool that we decided was going to fit our needs close enough. And I think if we had maybe done, if we had thought about it a little bit more, or maybe if we had any idea what we were doing, we would have maybe gone with some gym software. I think it took about a year for us to realize that what we were building was a gym, just <laughs> yeah. not for workout equipment. Um, so we had already committed to Member Mouse um, over all the other like membership website plugins that were for WordPress because um, it was lean, you know, and it seemed like it would make sense and uh, it integrated with Stripe. So that's what we wanted, and so we, you know, I'm fairly comfortable like I've you know I don't usually go into the core files and hack stuff because then they get replaced but um, I definitely feel comfortable you know butchering whatever I need to in order to get it done in WordPress so um, yeah you guys have been an interesting fit because it's again it's not for a physical space so we have little hacks for cash payments and we have hacks for um uh, well, though it does work with bundles, so like we have lockers on site for rent. We just use the bundles for that. Cool. And so, you know, a lot of the things they kind of it's just a little bit of a skew, not even a hack. Just like we're going to use this thing for this instead of right. what you probably thought you built it for. Mm-hmm. And um, talk about this facility access component. Yeah, one of the cool things that we did was, you know, okay, so we're a makerspace. There's a, a strong electronics component. Um, makerspaces are are very similar to hackerspaces. It's hard to hard to say what the difference is, other than maybe just a lean towards software and electronics hardware. So we we have that feeling too. And so we took a Raspberry Pi and we took a like a sprinkler enclosure box and an RFID reader and a keypad. We put it outside by the door, and we got a a lock that um, it's a 
electric strike lock. So when you apply electricity to it, it unlocks the the hinge so you can push the door open. So we installed all that outside and we ran an Ethernet cable in and connected it to the network. And then we set up member mouse. So when a new member, um, you know, we we you can sign up on the website and we sign people up on the website, but people don't usually do that until they're in the facility. Um, and even and then if they do it, sometimes they do. They'll sign up for membership before they come to the facility. Then when they come in, they have to do an orientation. So then once they've completed that orientation and then they, they've signed up, we will give them an access code and we will go in and put it in their custom fields in the back of, of member mouse. And then the system, I wrote a little API call so that when the door every so often and then whenever the door I think it's whenever the door gets a bad code, it goes into the website and downloads the new list of active users. And then it will see if the user is active and it will go to their custom field and grab their code. And then if it gets a match, it will open the door. Awesome. So you're using the custom fields and the... um. Well, I guess you're not using the push notifications for that because you're doing a pull operation, not a push. You basically check yep. if somebody enters a bad code, that's when you refresh the database or whatever is associated with your Yeah, and we should probably use push, but you know, it works. Well, that's pretty that's really cool. It's, I've never heard of somebody using member mouse to open uh, control physical access to a space through a keypad. So props. Thanks. What we would do now, because there was not a WordPress um API when we built that it's a couple years ago, and so now what we would do is we would use the uh, WordPress API to do the calls, right? But of course, and this this is kind of get, getting back to where I, I was thinking of going. Uh, as your business grows, just like a lot of us have experienced in growing businesses, there's a lot you want to do. There's a lot your customers want you to do. There's a lot you could do, but there are only very few things that you can actually accomplish given your resources. So or should do, <laughs> should do, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that. Like, what is what has this journey been like in terms of that uh, through that lens for you? Yeah, I mean, it's really easy to get distracted because the nature of the space is sort of playful. You know, people we encourage people to test. We encourage people to experiment and I think I'll, I feel really akin to many of the other spaces that I've been to since we began and there's sort of just this you know doing doing art for art's sake laser cutting something nifty out and just putting it up on the wall like it's really easy to just do something because you can and so that is something that you have to watch out for when running such an elaborate business, because I can spend a lot of time, I can spend a lot of time helping people with their design problems. I spend a lot of time fixing equipment, keep cleaning up after people. Um, there's a lot of that going on, and so lately, you know, my primary motivation has been to trim things down into a more streamlined fashion and utilize the resources that I have. Uh, we have a volunteer program where we give people. The, the highest level of membership for the lowest price with an additional four hours per week that they come in and volunteer. So, cool. yeah. 
So that's really great. Um, and I'm, you know, learning how to utilize, better utilize those resources in a way that um, is beneficial for the space. And yeah, so it seems like you're, you're looking at strategies to uh, bring in additional resources so you can take care of ongoing items that need to be taken care of and ultimately so you can free yourself to do what? Where are the opportunities that you see? So, right, I have a degree in marketing, in web marketing. Mm-hmm. So my, my efforts are most likely best spent in outreach and in marketing and communicating with other community organizations and having partnerships. Um, so that's kind of, um, I'm also, um, I also naturally put on events. So I'm, that's like where I'm at. And my business partner, Aaron, he's really good at a lot of those things as well. He's also really good at facility management. We're going to take this wall down and we're going to move this zone over here and solving several problems at once by shifting the space around. So, um, you know, we have our sort of our skills and, I think if, you know, the larger the community is, the more stable it is and the more income there is. So the primary function is to just increase awareness of our existence and bring people in and make sure that they have a good experience. That's probably the number one thing. Um, but then there's a lot of other ways that uh, we can we can get resources. So right now, Aaron is seems primarily focused on building installations for for um for example children's museums so we have this cool product that we um we didn't come up with it but we saw a version of it and we made our own um it's this augmented reality sandbox so uh the software is open source and you what it does is it uses a microsoft connect to scan a sandbox and then a projector in line with that to cast a topography onto the sand and when you move the sand around it refreshes so you're <laughs> you can reform the topography of the sand in real time and there's all sorts of fun little cool games that you can play and lessons that you can teach on this um this augmented reality sandbox is pretty cool so yeah, that's great he's been um perf- you know uh revising and iterating on this product and he's been selling them. Uh, we sold one to the Monterey Bay Aquarium recently, a couple schools, a couple children's museums, um, got some other high profile clients in the works right now. So he's going, um, sort of going, going hard on that right now, which is exciting. So there's sort of a product element to what we can do, we, right? We can fabricate any of these things so we can easily produce products. So there's a, an avenue there as well. Nice. And what about um, you were talking earlier about people coming to the space, and you were you have some um, training that is required for people to use your um, your equipment. But one thing that occurs to me, imagining me coming to the space because I'm not familiar with any of this stuff, is um, I would maybe see somebody working on a 3D printer and be like, "Oh man, like I really want to learn how to do that." But like you said. You don't have the time to basically sit with everybody and teach them how to do that. So it seems like there would be a natural opportunity for some online-based training 
where you could do a course, be like, oh, you're interested in 3D printing, go buy this course on our website and it'll show you everything you need to do. And then you can come into the shop and you know, use our stuff or we could show you how to acquire your own or whatever. Has that come up at all? Have people, do you think there could be uh, a desire for that? Yeah, that's definitely come up in the past. Um, we've, we've filmed videos before. Um, I think we just didn't quite get to the top of the mountain in most cases, you know, because it sounds easy. No, no, I get it. It's, it's not easy. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. There's a production level there. And so, um, you know, I think it's all about crossing off the boxes until you get to that point. Um, right now, it's adequate with the person who runs the 3D printing zone showing you how to do it for an hour and a half and giving you resources that exist online. Um, I think it is tempting in the long run to design all of our own curriculum and and video. We design our own curriculum, but then taking that to the next step and filming the filming that curriculum being executed. Um, and then, you know, either putting that on the website behind a paywall or putting it on YouTube and, you know, doing doing that way. Um, because then I, I think it's really wonderful to have someone show you and hold your hand and be there to answer your questions. But then it's also really wonderful to be able to replay the same thing over and over again until you get it right. So there is that desire to have the access to the instructions so that, you know, you can, if that's your style or, you know, maybe it's late at night. And also like, I don't live in any of the places where you have locations. So there's no way you could ever get revenue from me right now. But there are tons of people who are interested in all these different zones that you have, right? Like, 3D printing, 3D scanning, digital embroidery, or electronics, laser printing, screen printing, et cetera, right? Like, so internationally, there's a market for training on these things. And there's already tons of people doing this on YouTube, um, you know, showing you things. But, you know, everybody always has their own voice, you know, and it's valuable. Yeah, I think it's, it is valuable in the long run. So if you would let, you know, would play it out, um, the very, Beneficial thing for us is it's a video of how to use our piece of equipment. So then if you are a member here, it's right at home. You know, you're like, okay, this helps me a lot. I'm paying money to be here. I need, I want to have success with the equipment. And here's a person that I just met showing me how to use this in this video. Great. But then we can maybe take that to the next step and say, well, we don't care if you're a member or not, here's this video in case you have the same equipment, right? Then if you do land on our page searching, you know, then it's an SEO game, right? Then we, then we just try a little bit harder to get in front of more people. And that seems reasonable. But to me, it doesn't, I don't necessarily think they have to be separate videos. I mean... No, it's not. They're not separate videos, right? It's just a matter of pushing it out there and saying, well... You know, if you if you have the same equipment as we do, here's how to do it. Yep. And there's a lot of, I mean, when we're teaching someone how to use a laser cutter, I'm teaching them about the kind of laser cutter that we have as much as I'm teaching them about specifically the laser cutter that we have. Because we might get other machines and, you know, it's helpful if you kind of understand how it works. Plus, I like talking about that stuff. As a, as a entrepreneur, um, 
I don't know. First of all, did you decide to be an entrepreneur or did it just happen? Yeah, I think it's always been this way for me a little bit. Because yeah, I was trying to build websites for people when I was like 13. Uh-huh. Um, so I always have been my own boss, even if I had a boss for something else. So it does seem pretty natural to me. I don't know if it was a decision. I guess it was a decision. Here, it was a decision recently when I quit okay. my when I quit my job in Chico and moved down to Santa Cruz to run this facility. It was a decision. And how long ago was that? It's been two years. Okay. So what what kind of like was the the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, that made that that you basically okay. I could continue down this road being this developer at in this job, or I could go do this thing. Like, how did, how did that play out for you? Yeah, I mean, I guess it is natural. Um, I liked my job, but I wasn't really inspired by it. Um, it gave me a lot of freedom. It gave me the freedom to create the space in Chico. And that's cool. But I didn't really wake up in the morning thinking about the Chico State website, I woke up in the morning thinking about what we were doing at the Fab Lab. So um, it was sort of an obvious thing for me to to switch out of that. The thing that sort of changed it was that, you know, we're, uh, you know, just like the decision to open up a space where we give everyone a key, which is sort of a radical idea. Um, we also started the space in Santa Cruz remotely. Um, both. Aaron and I were living in Chico and uh, running the space there. And he had um, just had his first child. And so we were pretty taxed, uh, but still decided to start the space in Santa Cruz, which is his hometown. So uh, we got our ducks in a row, but trying to start a space where, to start a business that is, that is innovative um, slightly radical in the ways that we're talking about, um, without being there to do it is probably a little too crazy. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it, it, after about two years of, um, hiring people, um, having it not work out for various different reasons, um, just not quite good enough, you know, not the right leadership, not the right amount of investment. Um, from people, it was sort of, that was the thing that was like, okay, either we close the shop down or one of us has to go down there and run it because there's not any, no one else can do it. Right. There, you know, there is no unicorn that can do this because, you know, just because of the financial reasons after you spent two years trying to run the business and there is no capital left. Okay. So I moved down here to do that. So that's sort of the, it's been challenging because we didn't get that that uh, we didn't get as good of a running start as we could have if we had if we had said in the beginning, okay, one of us is moving down there to do that with all the capital. That would have been a better move, but here we are. Yeah, well, who knows? Who knows? Because I mean, there's so many things where I look back that I'm like, oh, I could have done that. I would have done that differently. But it's like one way or another, you get there, right? And I think in this situation, since I I kind of seeded this by asking you, why did you decide to leave the job? I mean, in this instance, hey, that did it for you. That's what got you out of there, right? And committed you 100%. So, Oh, yeah. I mean, for me, I definitely uh, 
you know, was ready to leave Chico for my own reasons. So for me, it's been really wonderful. Um, it's been challenging in a good way. Um, but it's great here. I mean, the people that are part of the community are amazing. We have um, just right around 140 members right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've met all these people and I spend time with a lot of them. Uh, and they're creative and they're curious and they're talented and, you know, people from all, like all ages. It's really great. Um, and Santa Cruz is not a bad place to live either. So, no, it's not. So, what would you say at this point are your, uh, driving motivating factors in terms of the vision for your guys company uh so man i feel like i'm i feel like i sort of restarted the uh like that question i'm in the middle of answering that question because i just started asking it again mm-hmm. like wait what am, what's going on here and what am i doing what is my vision and what how does that align with the space and even just last night i feel like i'm I'm spending a lot of time looking looking inward, but also like looking around me inside of the space at what other people are doing and and who's attracted to what we have already and where do we want to go. And so I think what really has got me inspired and the direction I want to take the space is in um it is educational because really people need to it's a learning space. It's a place where people come. They get access to the tools, but even when they're just using something they already know how to use, there's still this constant learning, iterative process of of growing your craft or growing your knowledge. or and, th- and then all the people around the tools that help, they're teaching. So I think we have to really reconsider our space to be an educational space like through and through. So I guess what I'd like to see happen in ours, in our, in our interactions is um, a little bit more of a focus on quantifying that. Like I like to play games and I think people enjoy, uh, people enjoy seeing their progress quantified. So we've discussed things like badge systems, certification for different things. Like right now there's no way I have a list somewhere that says, yes, you did the laser training, so you're good. But what about if there's a pathway to, um, I'm not going to say mastery, but a pathway to like accomplishing a higher level? Like we, we acknowledge you in your accomplishments by giving you, you know, a series of different challenges that you can accomplish and then be rewarded for at each of the stations. Would be that's like one idea that I've been throwing around. Yeah, that that sounds like a really cool idea. So now you're you're in the space and you um, have like like a there's a staircase in front of you for every single zone, and you can try to walk up that staircase. And like this is something we would use your software for, right? We would say, okay, inside of the back panel of the membership account, we've kept track of these things. And then when you're on your homepage inside of the system, you can see that and other people can see that if they want to click on you, you know? Yeah. I I think that that's a really, really cool idea because it it accomplishes a number of things. One, you have the benefit of the physical space and the people being there, the vibrancy of that. So you might as well use it. Um, People, and if, especially if people are new, they, 
it's helpful for them to have a trajectory, like somewhere that, oh, like there's say five badges in this particular phase of getting to this point, right? There's there's a, a psychological motivating factor to that. That's Yes, it's helpful for them to be seen that they've accomplished something, but also for their own benefit. It helps them to have guidance in terms of the, you know, not each step is a blind step. You know, if you're doing one thing at a time, you don't get the benefit of seeing what the bigger picture is and where that's going towards, what that's going towards. Um, so I think, if yeah, if you outlined a number of paths for each environment, that could be a really, that could, and the, the really cool thing about your situation is when you do that, when you introduce something, anything, you just, you sit back and watch for a little bit and the community will show you and tell you very clearly how it's responding to it. Right. Uh, another thing is that it would give us this, give us these guideposts and constrain things like what classes do we offer? You know, okay, well, the classes that we offer are relevant to people having the knowledge that they need to accomplish these these tiers, you know, so that, that also helps because sometimes it's just, you know, it's like anything, right? You, we, we could very easily try to be all things to all people. And that's, we know that that's not really a healthy way to run a business. So those sort of constraining guideposts, um, sitting around the mission is really, uh, something I've discovered is very important. Yeah. And, uh, going back to the, idea of online training and stuff like that. I mean, it sounds like your main interest and focus is on the community, which naturally it feels like it should be because they're right there. You're, you're interacting with them one-on-one. One thing I would throw out there is, you know, um, and I heard this from some marketer a long time ago, but um, you basically, the, the training can just be byproducts of what you're already doing anyway. It's almost as if, hey, I'm already doing this. Let me just set up a camera and record it. Not like I need to plan something specifically to film. And I don't know how you feel about that. But for me, um, my initial reaction to stuff like that is to be like, oh, well, the quality is not going to be this and that. And I start thinking about production aspects. But as a consumer of content, I actually appreciate stuff that's, you know, Sometimes even more so, that's just like on the fly. And yeah, exactly. So I don't think that that should be a, um, a limitation. Yeah, I think that's, that's good wisdom. Um, Aaron has taught me that in the past. You know, I tend to be the same way. I'm like, well, it's not perfect. So then yeah. no one's ever going to see it. And he's like, well, it's okay. And everybody's going to see it and they're stoked. Well, you know, the weird thing is, is you just three minutes ago or so, stated the same lesson, but it's so weird how we learn the lessons in one area, but we don't apply them to the other area. So you said, you know, everything's an iterative process. Like if you think about, you know, um, maybe the first time you used one of these machines, you know, the first thing you made with it wasn't amazing. You increase your skills by doing something over and over again and building a relationship with it, um, bringing your own, um, nuances and aesthetics to it, which you can't do any other way than just trying it over and over again in different circumstances and practicing. There it is. Yeah, that's real. I just got a, a, you know, mid-level, well, I don't know, I'm not super versed in in camera equipment, but I got like a Canon uh, DSLR at Costco. And uh, 
yeah, I'm ready to use it. Just set it up. Nice. So in that, in that situation, it's probably good then that you went with Memory Mouse and not Gym Software. There we go. <laughs> you know, because you don't want to limit yourself to just be a gym at the, also. Right. We're more than that. It's a little reductive when we say that, but it does help people understand. So it has its moment, the, that, that sort of construct. Oh, we're like a gym, but for creative tools. People do appreciate that, but you're right. We're more than that. Um, there's actually something I would like to mention just to kind of add to everything is that we, we're very art-centric at our facilities. And that's because Aaron is, has been an, an artist, a large-scale installation artist and um, laser-cutting artist, and he's very talented and multi. Um, he does a lot of different kinds of art. And so from the very beginning, his goal was really to be able to make art in the space and to have other people participate in that. So that's really, there's inside of his motivation really is where you can see the seeds of, of what we have now. And so we have had a resident artist program. We call it the Idea Fab Labs Tech Art Incubator Program. And he's been the coach for that from the beginning. And so we, you know, we have this whole thread of, of bringing an artist in to the space, giving them access to the tools, showing them how to take their existing workflow and augment it with digital fabrication techniques, and then let them, well, you know, encourage them slash, like, you know, uh, I, I, I want to be, I want to say like trick them into doing a lot of artwork. Um, but you know, there's an agreement and they agree to make a whole art show of like 25 to 35 pieces. It's a really intense experience. So it's always funny to be like, you know, uh, all right, <laughs> better get to work. Um, but we, uh, it's an intensive thing. And so they produce all this artwork and he guides them through that process. And so what you have is, someone in the space amongst the members like overclocked producing a bunch of crazy artwork. And so that really fuels the community. Nowadays, the community also fuels them. In the beginning, it was sort of like there wasn't much of a community. It wasn't as much of a community around it. So that was sort of fueling the community was people would come in and be like, oh, wow, look at this person going to town, you know, making 40 pieces of art. And so that is there within the space and there's a lot of art. There's a remnants of past shows and all this media that we've created. And, and so we have this strong art production going on all the time. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, that all came about because of Aaron's interests in, in, in part or for the most part. And so literally you could follow the same thing if you find one person who's really into any one of these things and put them in the space and make them a mentor. You could have the same thing happen, but for uh, something that's not specifically related to art per se. You know, it could be for something else. Uh, but you that that one person who's the lead and the guide who's accomplished something in their life in those areas can become a spark for the space for an explosion of things media in relating to what they do you know for Aaron it was art for somebody else it may be you know gear work or functional things or something like you guys built that um 
thing for your door. I mean, where's the YouTube video on that? You know, that would be an awesome YouTube video, <laughs> how you guys did that. Yeah. Because um, that sounds really cool. You know, for people who don't know, raspberry pie is not that delicious thing that you eat. It's a, it's a circuit board, right? It's a, it's a, it's a credit card sized computer. Right. Okay. And yeah. so there's, it's pretty fantastic. You, they've got USB ports and HDMI out audio. You use a, a little SD card as the hard drive and you can plug it into your TV or into a monitor, um, or you can put it one in your car. Uh, they're pretty rad. Yeah, but even that little um, Q-tip crossbow that somebody made, right? That I saw on your Instagram. It's like a crossbow that shoots Q-tips. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like just little, little episodes, like, you know, it doesn't have to be longer than a minute and a half or something. Like, hey, here are the steps that we built this thing in. You know, your marketing mind will definitely be able to utilize those to draw attention to this to the labs. Um, and also when you put little things out there, my guess is you're probably going to find a lot of people saying, Oh, how do I make that? And then that can, how you want to respond to those questions and then excitement that comes from people can lead you in a lot of different directions. Um, but it, but that's one of the really cool things about your such having a company in general, I think is we started, but you know, we don't have all the ideas from the beginning and the people who become part of our communities and throw out ideas, their excitement can ultimately inspire changes in direction in the entire thing. And then what you end up with, Member Mouse 10 years later, Idea Fab Labs, what, how many years is it? Since, since six years later, you know, it's not what you quote unquote set out to do. But you basically entered into um, an agreement, so to speak, that, hey, we're going to put things together and we'll commit to maintaining the environment, but we're also going to be responsive to what people want. And when you do that, it creates this vibrancy that you couldn't have planned to do. So let me ask you a question about Member Mouse. Yeah. After 10 years, what, what are some of the surprises along the way Aside from us, I guess, as a physical space, what are some of the surprises that have come along for you and what people use your software for? Well, none come to mind just right off the bat. I mean, I'd have to I'd have to research that specifically with specific instances. But I think the surprising thing, the most surprising thing for me as far as Member Mouse has been um, my involvement in it. Like, I'm a software engineer by trade. I started off building the software, but now I have to be a quote-unquote CEO. And I still don't really know what that means. And I think that that's the right approach, by the way. I've learned that that's the right approach because as soon as you think you know what it means, then you, you kind of stop listening a little bit. Um, but to me, the biggest surprise is, is how I've had to evolve through the journey. Um, at, the, at kind of like the helmsman, you know, I can't really stay in the same position for too long. It just, you know... If I stay somewhere for too long, I end up holding the company back. Like I started off as a developer, then I moved and I was handling thousands of support tickets. And then uh, following that, I had to get into finances and marketing and stuff like that. You know, And there comes a point where I get comfortable in a role because I've been playing it for so long. 
But I think the job of the leader is you constantly have to find people to replace you. And I think you're talking about doing that too with the volunteers. And you, you know, you need to find that support so that you can go and do the next thing that the community is asking for. So that was a huge surprise to me because I, I didn't actually set out to start a company. Um, so it kind of just happened in a way. Yeah, I feel that. And I think I'm going through the same metamorphosis as well. Yeah. So it's best, like I also, like personally, I feel like on, you know, going, going on an entrepreneurial journey uh, is one of the most, um, it's just one of those tools that can really actually improve your life personally. If you're willing to enter into it fully and go along with it and not resist because in a, in a way, it's kind of like having a child. You, you, you birth something into the world and you've committed to taking care of it and you, no matter what, you're not going to leave it. Um, and so when the challenges come, you work through it. And whenever you work through challenges, you end up learning and becoming more. And that's across the board. And challenges are there. Tests are there for us to, lear- to, to learn through and grow from. If we're always comfortable, what, where's the good in that? You get tired of sitting on a beach for a month, right? Um, and that's what tests are for. But the thing is about tests that I think, you know, which is why you see the stats in businesses, nine out of 10 businesses fail, which is stats in anything, people who get gym memberships and cancel is because there's the tests come and they always come in whatever we do, but there isn't that thing that keeps you locked in from from running away from the tests. There what there isn't that commitment there. And I think when you're truly an entrepreneur, you've committed to make your business a success. For for the longest time in Member Mouse, I only had a vision. Nothing was working out for like six years. There wasn't a lot of customers coming in. The revenue wasn't there, wasn't profitable. I was still working jobs. But for whatever reason, and I have no idea why, I had a vision that it was going to be successful and I just had to keep moving, you know? Um, so it's, it's interesting. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah, I see, you know, I, as much as I feel like I've naturally come into this, this role that I'm in, like it, it happened naturally and now I'm, I, I have to realize that it's, there's those different roles that I'm going to go into that are maybe not natural for me. Um, I see that the reasons why we started this, why we naturally found ourselves in this direction, uh, are because we want, we are seeking the rewards that come with this kind of a thing, and that's that's having a large community surrounding us. That's the camaraderie. That's the um, the shared experience of. Uh, you know, celebrating art and celebrating sort of like this. You, we get uh, we get really excited when you know you you make something and you make it better and then you make it better and you're like, yes, look at look at how much better this is than it was when it started, and how satisfying that is. You know, we kind of we're like engineering nerds like that. So we're getting fulfilled by all the things that happen at the shop, and so in order to keep that going and keep that experience and, and the rewards, you know, we have to do these things to make sure that it can stay alive. Yeah. And that's, that's a beautiful, um, guiding force 
to have, you know, that it's about the community and everything because, well, there's no reason that I need to give. It, it, it's just, uh, it, it's a beautiful approach to take and, and have it be your guiding light. Um, and I'm definitely honored that you guys are, you know, through whatever process, how you became a member mouse customer, whether accidentally or otherwise, definitely honored that you're using it. Um, I love, you know, cause to me it, it's a little bit different, but to me, it's also about community and helping people. Uh, I know that more today than I knew when I started, but, um, you know, so whenever I get to see that people are using the software to, um, to create things that actually are bringing joy into the world. That's, you know, I don't, I obviously can't take credit for it in any, in any form, but it's just nice to be a part of it in some small way. So certainly appreciate you guys being, being a part of our community. Totally. Yeah. It must be cool that you sort of have at least a little bit of a connection with all these different communities, most of them being digital, but you have sort of a little bit of a hand in all the different things that are happening on the internet like that. Yeah, for sure. I was going to say, I'm very excited that you guys contacted me. Um, it's helped me to think about the space in a different way and to think about the website in a different, a couple different ways. Awesome. I'm also excited because now I have your ear and I can send you several suggestions I have for the software. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we would love that. We just released a new version of the software. Uh, with some updates, um, that two two nine. But yeah, we yeah two two nine. But we we do have a lot of kind of improvements that we have planned. Um, you know, most of the stuff that we've been focusing on uh, has been uh, backend support. You know, just because this is the thing about Member Mouse, it's like um, we have very large sites running on Member Mouse, like you know, hundreds of thousands of members. So part of our selling point and why part of our success is that we're very reliable. You know, like people often come to us because they've used another platform and they've gotten to the point where the the cracks in the hull of the ship start to leak water. So we spend a lot of effort, you know, kind of in the in the back end you can't really see there's no UI influence of what we're doing, but we're we're doing security updates, we're doing performance updates, we're doing all sorts of things like keeping in track with payment provider updates and API and PCI compliance stuff. Like, so a lot of the stuff we do kind of like, it doesn't get to shine on the surface so much because it's not like, oh, look at this new feature, right? But we do it because we have all these customers who rely on the software who are large and we that's just essential to keep the business running. We run membermouse.com on our, on our product. So we're in the same boat. But um, we have a whole series of things and, and projects in motion to um, actually improve things that you'll be able to visibly, visibly see and um, will have performance implications in terms, in terms of day-to-day operations like you know stuff like uh, bulk editing features on the data grids, being able to search um, the data grids. Uh, so if you have a lot of products, you can find a product more easily. Um, you know, all these stuff are on our list and coming, you know, but, you know, like we were talking about with you earlier, uh, especially when you get successful, you want to do all these things. And, but as soon as you set out to do them, then somebody has got a fire that needs to be addressed. So you need to take your resources off those things and go focus on this thing. Cause that's more pressing. So you do that and then you come back and, you know, it's just a juggling act. So are you 
where do you see your product going next as far as what you offer and you know is it is it about the 100,000 users or like how you know how able are you to sort of serve people like us who have you know 300 people and 100,000 and well the the thing that i've always appreciated about um, and and this has been one of the early benefits of Member Mouse that kind of happened by accident or just naturally. But in basically working closely with customers and getting feedback from real world scenarios and making improvements to the software based on that, um, the software ends up being if it works for a hundred thousand, it works for one. Basically, that's that's how I look at it. You know, you and that's why our pricing is the way it is, you know, and that's why the plans, there's really not much differentiation between the plans. We give the people on the starter plans the same tools that the experts have. It's just like member limits that make the difference. Because my philosophy is like, look, like you're getting all the same tools that these sites who are very successful are getting. Therefore, you there's no excuse. If they're if somebody's doing it, then anybody can do it. You know, that's that's basically the premise. Now. Um, when, and it's interesting because what it comes down to for us is kind of the same thing it comes down to for you. You have a laser cutter, you have a 3d printer. We have this crazy software, right? It comes down to training. This is, this is what we're really focusing a lot on right now. Part of it is doing these podcasts. Um, but providing more information to people, guidance, like why, why looking at our, over the years, why haven't people been successful with Memorize? What is it? Is it our product? And I, the answer to that is pretty much no. It's not our product. The product works. That's why people who are very large can use it. Okay, then what is it? Why aren't people getting from zero to success? And it turns out it's for many reasons. Everybody comes to the, to the game with a different set of tools. Some people just need motivation and coaching. Hence podcasts, hence doing the live office hours, giving people an opportunity to have a conversation about whatever. Uh, some people, it's really the nuts and bolts of the software, hence doing more training. Um, you know, uh, so there's a lot of different angles we're approaching it from, you know, WordPress is an interesting space to be in because it's, you get our software, but then you just can't go from there. You got to get a theme, right? You got to get a hosting provider. Not everybody is equipped to do this. So we have a number of things in motion to make it easier for people through guidance to use our software. So that's, I think, a major area of our focus is in, in helping people just actually do something. You're a, you're a developer, so you didn't necessarily have all those issues, but a lot of people do. And so now you suddenly you're a business advisor instead of a software developer. It, yeah, well, not suddenly, but yeah. Well, suddenly, software in, engineer. suddenly in that moment that you, know, you, you chose to use to, for this to be your software product now, in order to have success and have people want to use your or continue to be able to use your software, you have to. It's in your best interest to provide them with with this advice. Exactly, and 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 actually, it, it's like every evolution that happens for me in the business. It's one that I rebel against initially. You know, it's like because it was clearly coming. Oh, like people want to have these conversations. I'm like, well, I don't do conversations or something right? <laughs> like that's not, I'm a, I'm not a, I'm not a, a front of house guy. Like I'm a back end guy. Right. Or whatever my story. You've was. come so far. <laughs> Here we are having a conversation. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, 
you know, so I'm obviously very grateful for everything that's pushed me to get to this point because, you know, I'm happy where things are. But, and I appreciate the opportunities to, to talk to people and offer whatever um, perspective I have that could help. You know, I don't, I don't feel like, um, I feel very humble about, you know, my position. I don't feel like I'm like this big person with a lot of experience to offer, but I have a little bit of experience. And if it can help somebody, then I'm happy to share it is basically where I'm at. But yeah, it seems like I'm doing a lot more of it shooting videos. You know, I myself got a DSLR recently, so we'll, we'll be shooting more videos and training probably. But also, there are some big moves that we are going to be making the product too. So it's more of a full picture for me because as I have kind of like uh, overarching perspective, there's many different strategic angles we're taking in partnerships with different companies and that we've got in the works and different product Im- improvements. And, you know, it's it's been a little bit challenging for two years and I don't think we're alone in this. Um, I think a lot of companies have had certain challenges in the last two years for whatever reasons. But I get the sense that there's a corner that's going to be turned. And I think what we're doing now is sowing all the seeds and then our harvest is going to come in the next year, like all these projects. Because the thing is, as you get to be a bigger company, uh, like back in the day when I was a developer, if I had an idea, I just busted out in a weekend, you know, oh, this would be cool. I'm going to build this. But now it doesn't work like that. Now I have to have a little bit more patience. There's more planning. I have to interface with different teams and I have to get people's approval. We have to have multiple conversations. You have to be really careful. Yeah. Yeah, you have to assure that if you're going to put money into it, that you're going to get an ROI, that everybody wants it. It's just, there's all these different tools and approaches that have come. And I used to think that they were burdens because I appreciated just being able to knock something out on the weekend. But when you have thousands of customers, you you have, you have can't just like be that cavalier about it. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, like push something out <clears throat> that doesn't work and blow people's sites up. <clears throat> so you have to have a QA process and all this stuff. Yeah. You know. Hey, uh, you want to talk some more about um, membership systems and hardware experience? Yeah, go ahead. So, remember I told you guys that we do these, we have an art residency program? Yep. So, I uh, started this new thing. It's, it's a electronics systems concept where uh, what we do is we bring these artists in, they build this gallery's worth of work, and then we culminate in an exhibition. And so that's a, an art show that people attend. And we've been fairly good at getting somewhere between 250 and 500 people to come to these events. And, and I, in the same sort of way that I was like, well, it would be fun if like we could play more games with, with all the people in the room. And so I started designing with other members at the shop these installations um, and we built the installations so that we could understand the electronics enough to help the artists and work with the artists to install some of this uh, these hardware systems into their art because we really like to do technology combined with art. And so uh, I've started developing this system where when everyone comes to the event, they actually s- sign up for a membership, but it's a different it's a different. Uh, it's not the same membership levels that we talked about earlier. They're separate. And so people pay 
they get a, an account on the website, and then they get given a, a talisman. And the talisman has an NFC chip in it. And so then we build these sculptures inside of the space that they can interact with. And so an example of one is it's a facade, and it has two two little sockets where you can put your put your talisman into. One person can do one, another person can do the other one. And when you both activate this installation, it has scrolling LED text, and it goes and it gets your shared fortune and tells you your shared fortune. And so that's awesome. That's a, a really cool idea. I mean, I feel like that's another thing that could be like a product of yours. Because, I mean, just like the kind of ice-breaking factor of that in terms of an event, you know? Oh, yeah. So that's the, the long-term vision is to be, able to, to be able to expand this out to events, to larger events that other people are throwing and have this be a service that we provide. But, you know, so you have, in this, you have this account inside the website, and when you... My goal is to be able to play the long game with this. So. So you and I come to this event, we have our, our little token, and we play this game, and it shows us our shared fortune, and we laugh, and you know it's a, it's a movie quote from some comedy series or sci-fi or whatever. And then later, we come back to another art show, and somehow we follow up. Like the, there's you and I, and then there's the, the global we, and we follow up. We know that you and I have this shared thing. So maybe we come up to a box and we both put our talismans in and we go over and it takes a a photo of us, right? And it does an augmented reality overlay of the photo that we can't actually see until the photo gets printed out, right? But then on the the caption is our shared quote from last time or from four times before. So these are the kind of like, membership, community-driven interactions that we're trying to do in physical space. Yeah, and you could also you can also combine that with offline experience between the events. Like people because I, I I feel like I've heard this being done in like dating events where like you there's something like that where you're introduced, it's not as cool as what you're talking about, but you're introduced, but then you have the option of whether or not you want the people you're introduced to to have access to you after the event. Right. Something like that. Right. So maybe having the option that, you know, there's some way that they can connect on the membership site af, you know, for those people that they actually met at the event. Perfect. Which would be cool. Cause then that'd be great for them. But then also, you know, when there's a follow-up, hey, there's another event in between the times that you had those events, they may have You can scroll through a list of all the quotes from the night and pick the one pick the ones that you remember were people right. that you want to connect yeah. with something like that. Anyway, obviously it's a really cool idea because whenever you you automatically start brainstorming about how to improve it and use it that just means that there's inspiration there, you know. Right. That's the kind of fun um, you know, cloud-based but physical interactive stuff that we're that I'm fascinated by. Yeah. Well, I am too and I I uh hope uh, you stay in touch and let us know how you're doing. Um, with everything. And I certainly appreciate you taking time to come on the show and, and talk. Yeah, I appreciate it too. And it's been insightful and uh, also want to see you guys continue to be successful. So thanks for all the support and all the 
Nifty Software. Thank you. And just to end, um, where can our listeners learn more about you and your company? Uh, the easiest thing to do is to go to ideafablabs.com. That's I-D-E-A-F-A-B-L-A-B-S.com. And you can get to both of our facilities from there. And we're also on Facebook and on Instagram. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening to my entire conversation with Jordan. I hope you enjoyed it and are walking away with an expanded perspective about what you can create in your business. Many thanks to Jordan for coming on the show and sharing so freely from his experience. To get the links to all the resources we talked about in this episode, you can head on over to subscriptionentrepreneur.com slash 182. There you'll also find complete show notes and a downloadable transcript of our conversation. And if you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more engaging interviews with successful entrepreneurs, experts, and authors, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher. We have a growing library of engaging episodes with many more to come. One last thing before we wrap up, if you're curious to see how another makerspace uses MemberMouse to run their business, you can check out the Columbia Valley makerspace at cvmakerspace.ca. It looks like they're up to some cool stuff there. Thanks for being here, and we'll see you next time.